0: It's five AM somewhere, so that means the garbage collectors are coming to take out the trash. But we won't throw you out.
1: Welcome to your Trash Pals podcast, coming to you live from the Nickelodeon uh, factory where they make all the slime in big giant vats, uh, and then we're we're gonna dump all the goop on everybody in this podcast by the end of the episode. Uh-
0: Not me. <laughs> No, not my pristine white walls. <laughs>
1: Everyone's getting slimed. That's uh that's how we do it. Every episode it ends with us getting slimed. Uh, oh, in this goodness. a podcast about comics, art, culture and whatever little bits of trash we found while picking through the garbage bin. I'm Van Notes
0: and I'm Ren.
1: Ren, we have a very special guest today, but there is one mm-hmm. important item of business before they uh we let them out of the dungeon, our our garbage dungeon, our uh, Star Wars trash pit inside the Death Star. Oh, Lord. I think that's what we need to start calling it, something like that. Um,
0: I like that. Yeah, where all the discarded slime goes.
1: Um, what did you think of the film *Sinister Squad*?
0: You're so funny this is going to make me sound like such like a weak little guy. I'm such like a weak little guy. Cause I started watching it. I got like 20 minutes in and I was like, I can't do this. I cannot do this by myself. I don't know how you wow. did it. So I'm getting um, friend of the show Durs, AKA Alex Browns, uh, and Veronica Agrawal and a few other people to also watch it. Um, I love that you
1: Aren't inviting me.
0: <laughs> well, I am going to invite. You. Well, look, I didn't know if you wanted to watch it twice because I was like, "Look, this is." It was. I got to part the part of the movie where they're like, "And this is the big bad wolf, and he was eating people in the zoo," and I was like, "This is just some guy. This is just a guy. <laughs> this is like." They didn't even make him that hairy. I was like, just so. And everything looks so sticky, and it reminded me of, like, just, I don't even know, just, like, that movie felt like it was going to run up and glomp me. I don't know how else to, like, put it into words. But that's how I felt. Um, But you are invited if you want to. It's on Wednesday
1: it does have comic convention cosplayer meetup energy that's very true it does it
0: It just seems like it would like be mainlining monster at me and i'm like i'm scared i'm almost 30 don't do this to me um but i do want to see it i'm so determined to see it but i can't watch it by myself so please please join us you have to go on discord though that's the only caveat
1: you know, I will download Discord just to watch a movie and then delete it again. Um
0: I love <laughs> you that know. I love that for you and I love that about you.
1: Um enough about the Asylums uh, Suicide Squad remake film from many moons ago. We we have an extra special special guest, uh a good, I would say a good friend of mine. I've seen I've seen his chickens. Uh, But I shall read this very exciting uh, provided bio with a few twists um, to introduce our wonderful guests. So Trungle Wen, also known on the internet as Trungles to a certain generation of young hopeful Tumblr teens, uh, is truly an award-winning author, cartoonist, and illustrator from Minneapolis, probably best known for probably best known. This is what happens when you ask these cartoonist types to write their own bios. Uh, Probably best known for his graphic novel, The Magic Fish published in 2020. Trung dips in and out of very short one-off projects for Marvel and DC because he doesn't have the patience, time or dedication to long series outside of traditional publishing which pays way better than monthly comics. He, This part is very true. He raises three very spoiled hens and is considered, uh, considering getting some sort of furry indoor animal since the chickens have their own little apartment and uh, makes them feel like an empty nester. Uh, for the purposes of this specific podcast, which has many ramifications, trung likes a jowly man welcome to the podcast trung
0: Welcome.
1: <laughs> hello thank you for reading the
2: bio that i sent you i sent it Uh, At a time in the day where where I wasn't totally paying attention to everything I was putting down, I'm just like, hmm, what's true right now? And I just sent (laughs) it to you. So thank you for dragging me out of the trash bin. I feel like the conceit of this podcast is you two are little city rats that are just like rummaging (laughs) through the garbage. And now you're just like, here, here's this special
1: thing that we found.
0: Exactly, exactly. I'm a country
1: mouse. (laughs) I'm the city mouse. mouse.
0: Man's the country mouse.
1: Oh, I love that. I love
2: that you have this dynamic. Um, Everything that I heard from podcast guest jail, I was slightly aghast at.
0: Aghast! In like a
2: a very delightful way. I I mean, every time Van Notes has some sort of project or sends me a meme or texts me literally anything, my first reaction is to just gird myself because it's going to be very strange. And then it's always- there it's it's always something that i enjoy ultimately but i always am just like oh what is it gonna be today
0: that's a common reaction <laughs> i have the same reaction
2: oh wonderful i'm so happy that we could to just
1: roast Van notes here together Ren. you're already my favorite person <laughs> yay <laughs> i just i just like boomer memes i just like weird <laughs> boomer memes with a with a gay twist
0: But you know what? I
1: love that for you. Yes, I love that. I need you to, you're queering boomer memes. That is exactly the energy (laughs) that we need. This is my praxis. This is my, this is what I'm doing.
0: This is Um, across the bear. This
1: is, this is how, this is my activism. This is why they call Mm -hmm. me an activist in the community. My queering of boomer mm -hmm. memes.
2: I love that. I'm really, I'm still very stuck on the image of this being your cross to bear because I'm imagining like the stations of the cross, like with you bearing the weight of these boomer memes <laughs> and just being like, I'm going to make them gay and then I shall pass away and then come back.
1: That was probably blasphemous of me, but I <laughs> I love that image. No, I
0: love it. I love it.
1: It is Lent uh, starting Wednesday. So now is the time oh. for Lent-based humor. So. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. I didn't know what Lent was before, like, high school. I just, and as soon as I found out, I was like, oh my god, that sounds (laughs) like, you guys go way too hard. I couldn't give up anything for any reason. I just like, I like all my things. I like all my habits.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, we we just love, Catholics love deprivation for no reason.
0: (laughs) So funny. I'm
2: convinced that's why it's called Lent, because, like, relent is, like. having regrets and then lent is like the originator of it it's like oh
1: you have to lent before you relent (laughs) it's just a very practical holiday of like during this time of the year we don't have food so we're gonna feel like religiously Mm -hmm. pious for like Mm -hmm. naturally just not having food around the house (laughs) i do love so much that it got watered down
2: over the years from like we're gonna fast to now we're gonna pick one random little treat
1: that we're gonna deprive ourselves of for like a couple, for like a spell, and that'll be it. <laughs> you know why I do love Lent though, is being pescatarian, Catholics still go like hard for lit uh, fish during Lent. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a Catholic husband and wife who own the local like burger place. So their fish sandwiches are always fire because mm-hmm. like they have to be for the catholic crowd so like it's it, it's the best fish sandwich in town because it's it's the yeah. one option
0: that's so funny i love that
1: so trung this is a very mm-hmm. important question that we have to start the podcast off with um not um which is your favorite uh, day of lent uh but what <laughs> trash are you consuming
2: What trash am I consuming right now? Um, So when I'm making, I'm like currently working on a couple of graphic novels. And so I don't have a ton of time to like watch things or read things. And so I I feel like I've been bereft of so much media, but I have been keeping up with the um, anime iteration of Delish Dungeon, which is a lot of fun. Um, And I read the manga already, so I I know what happens, but it's beautifully animated, I enjoy it. Um, And I'm also really enjoying kind of just watching old sitcoms that some like I saw when I was a kid and some that I had never seen before. And so right now I'm going through uh, 227, um, which is fantastic. It's this old, uh, it's a black sitcom from the 80s it's where Regina King got her first role. She's like the plucky kid oh. in the in the show. Um, and it's it's really, really lovely. Like I love like a hokey 80s sitcom very, very much. And so that's been a wonderful watch.. Uh, yeah, and I, I went. I started going back through Home Improvement too, which I thought I would oh, wow. really hate, right? Because Tim Allen is oh, such a huge boy. jerk, and I'm just like, mm, "Is this about to be terrible?" But no, it's much better written than I remember. And they make explicit jokes about the Al character being really appealing to gay men because he's a bear. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Wow, <laughs> this is incredible!" I just missed all of this when I was a kid. But yeah, no, it's been it's been fun. That's
1: beautiful.
2: I yeah, that's that. all the trash that I've been consuming. What good stuff. Do you have anything to tell me?
0: Ooh, I have to think. Oh, I just watched this really good video on The Bachelor by uh, YouTuber Ashley Norton. Ooh. I, mm-hmm. I've never, so I watched one, I tried to watch one season of The Bachelorette when there was a black bachelorette a few years ago, but mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. It was really boring to me. I couldn't fall into it. But it seems like, you have to like stick with it because there's Mm -hmm. like some really i learned about this i'm gonna say character but this guy this guy who went on the show named luke p and his deviousness and his crimes against humanity uh by being like i i don't want to spoil it if you're at, at all interested in the bachelor or the bachelorette or in guys I will never
2: watch well maybe your your listeners will but I I will never watch it so you can tell me
0: (laughs) I will okay so Luke P was like he was like the villain of the show but the bachelorette like had this like really strong almost instant connection with him and so Mm. she kept him around and he was like lying and scheming And one of the guys was like, the worst part about this is like, you're only 5'8". Like, you're just like this little guy who's, I'm like, (laughs) 5'8's a little guy? Like, oh my gosh. That's like almost a foot taller than I am. So I'm uh, just all about (laughs) it. I'm like, I love, I really was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to get into The Bachelor for this level of drama, for all this pettiness.
2: I love when reality TV has deep lore. And of course like The Bachelor oh, has yes. been on for so long that it has deep lore that I will never understand. I just I can't, I love like trash reality television shows too, but I can't watch any mm-hmm. of the ones that are structured like a game. Like I can't do that. I like yeah. like a semi-scripted people being messy with each other like soap opera kind of reality mm-hmm, television mm-hmm. Me show. Do, me too. Can't do can't do the games.
0: Yeah, the games are tougher. I I'm a big um I used to love Bad Girls Club when it was on. Huge Bad Girls Club fan. Bad Girls Club till I die. Uh, I loved any of the Real Housewives. Like Chase and I were friends mm-hmm. before the Real Housewives of Potomac came on, but I feel like our friendship really ramped up <laughs> because I'm from Maryland originally, and anytime Ben would text me, like, but while he was watching the Real Housewives of the, Pot- of the Potomac they'd be like is this near you like do you live there do you know these people and my answers would always be like do I you know a these people <laughs> <laughs> i don't but my parents do
1: oh amazing wow wow it is it is my country ways that i assume people do know each other if they come from the same geographic place um mm-hmm. yeah i mean oh, if you come
2: from a city where like most of you know each other you're going to assume that everybody else comes from places where they know people in their community too yeah
0: it I just happened to be really coincidental that, like, my parents knew some of the Potomac people. Because in any <laughs> any other Maryland-based reality TV show, I'm like, I don't know who these people are. I have no <laughs> idea who they are. I've never heard of them. I'll never meet them. Maryland is too big of a state.
1: Don't know them from the crabs.
0: I don't know them from the crabs. <laughs>
2: How weird would it be to, like, have a really strong um, kind of, like knowledge or connection to like socially any of the real housewives to like turn on TV and it's like <laughs> right? oh
1: my auntie is being messy on TV. yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Right? oh my gosh
1: my Thank godmother so is talking about her sex life like a mm-hmm. lot
0: like I can't I couldn't do it mm-hmm. i i when I was younger I wanted to be on the real world um but I'm so glad that I grew out of that because I don't want anybody to know that much of my business or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'm scared for my parents' sake; they can't know my my dark deeds.
1: <laughs> what, about what about you, about you man? What's I your was, like, speaking of dark deeds?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I have been. I finished the second um, volume of Ghosts in the Shell, uh, the manga oh. by Masamune Shiro, and oh, it truly really, those is the most self-indulgent comic i think i've ever read it is just like a guy being like i want to draw oiled up titty ladies while Mm -hmm. explaining the niche mechanics of the submarine that doesn't exist um and Uh, then narrate the entirety of like a cyber attack uh, which could be very interesting in a comics medium, but it is so niche and so specific. And then a lot of it is just like conjecture based where he's like, I don't know if this could happen, but it's happening right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, I it's- love his
2: comics so much because they're all like that where it's like, Oh, like here are like, uh, oily-tittied, like, just, like, slicked-up ladies doing, like, action girl shit, and then he'll have some wild metaphysical or science fiction thing in the liner notes in really tiny print that you have to read, and you're just like, all of this is completely made up, but it feels so serious. But also, his comedic chops in those comics are incredible. Like, I had only ever absorbed, like, Ghost in the Shell pop culture stuff from the ether in such a way that, like, was removed from the comic, and so I always thought it was, like, this very grim, dark like, action Kind of saga, but no, the it's an action comedy largely in the in the manga, which which is which I enjoyed so much more <laughs> than yeah. all the
1: other media. Um, I love standalone complex, but it's like very different. The like Ghost in the Shell, the movie, and standalone complex are like so different than the actual manga. I love Appleseed, mm. like far and away above the rest of his work, uh, but yeah, I I finally read through I have the big thick collection of Mm -hmm. all the the ghosts in the shell and I I finally got myself through the like it was like I had to devote myself to it like an arcane tome like for several nights in a row of just being like all I know is now ghosts in the shell that's all that exists um I'm now in this strange (laughs) blueprint of humanity he loves fascism so much like his oh ideal yeah world he's got a huge boner for fascism
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. he, you should read um yeah. you should read o'brien um which i love oh, it's yeah. sort of i think he did it before ghost in the shell if you haven't read it if you have you, you should just reread it because it's so much fun um but for people who don't know it is also a Masamune Shiro joint and it is uh metaphysical like it's science fiction fantasy where he deals with like it's space adventure but also it's a space opera and there are gods being petty and everything is just like incredibly beautifully rendered and also like just lots of like metaphysical made-up science in the liner notes once again it's fantastic and it's mercifully short uh so it's uh it's something that i recommend to people who like want
1: 80s vibes manga or just read Appleseed. Like, if you want a more accessible, (laughs) genuinely good, not having to like puzzle over it, like it's a document in a completely different language that doesn't exist, uh, read Appleseed, which is on the lighter end of that spectrum.
2: I love, I'm figuring out that you and I read comics very differently because I love all of the like super extra stuff that he puts in there because I don't read them until way later, right? I'll like read the main story, right? All the characters talking to each other. And if I don't understand something, then I'll go through the liner notes. And it's mostly just nonsense that I don't care to actually know. And I've never learned my lesson. I will always read like that, but I never read those (laughs) on the first go. And you seem to be a reader who reads every
1: word on the page. And I am not that. That. <laughs> i'm when i read like david foster wallace it's like i will read every footnote as oh, it happens no. like oh like that's i'm cursed um i'm impressed and also very nervous for you <laughs> speaking of curses and being nervous i have a new little oh, game to play <laughs> Oh boy! Jigsaw. <laughs> it's jigsaw time. I need. Um, I yeah. Like a theme song. Yeah, I want a theme song. Uh, like, if we can find a way to like play the saw theme on a kazoo or something. Like, kazoo. I, don't I don't know if saw okay. has a theme. Like, um, but I have a, I have a new game for but our this podcast. Is gonna be okay. Um, it's just called the Stanko Meter. Um, mm. Stanko Meter. Where... <laughs> Wherein we shall rate uh the the topics I've brought forth to you one to ten on mm-hmm. the stankometer. Uh zero is that they have no stank, aka rugged, nasty sex appeal, and ten is okay. that they have mass stank. Um and so in honor of Trung, a uh, beloved lover of mascots of Food brands. <laughs> I've, I've collected a list <laughs> of um beloved mascots for food brands, mostly compiled from characters who also appeared in the film Food Fight, uh as a guy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um I've never we, seen shall, this. we shall rank their their stankiness, their um okay. like I said, their Genguro Tagame uh esque. Um, Musk and sexual appeal. So <laughs> okay. So zero stank oh. <laughs> means yes, totally go put it in.
2: And high stank and ten is like it's a no go at all. Like eternal. No, terror. no. It's the is it the opposite?
1: Zero zero is like they are squeaky clean. Like I, okay. I feel nothing towards them. Ten is like uh, okay. Ten oh, my is goodness. like. It's a, like, it's... I regret to inform you,
2: but I have Yes, <laughs> I yes. moved. By. Okay. 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 Now I get you. Okay. All right.
1: Yes. It's like you made out with that person in the bar and you're embarrassed to go back to your friends. Um... Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this might be
2: difficult for me because that has literally never happened. I've never been embarrassed to tell people about who <laughs> <laughs> I made out without a bar. So let's go. Let's go. I'm so curious to see um... how this goes.
1: The the first on our 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 tour of the uh, grocery store shelves is the Velastic pickle stork. Okay. Do I need to google this or because I have no idea what the Velastic
2: pickle stork looks like. You need to can you text it to me or something? let's
1: see i don't even Uh, know
2: how to spell this this is a brand with which i'm completely unfamiliar i've only sexually harassed one brand mascot between the years (laughs) of like 2016 and 2018 and van will never let me let me live this down that's so
0: funny i'm pretty sure i've heard of some of these drawings
2: um Mm, okay let's see the the vlasic Pickle stork. Okay, 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 okay. I'm looking at him now, and he kind of has, like, he has, like, jovial uncle vibes, you know? Like, he's kind of gently avuncular. I don't know that I would find him to be, like, sexually appealing. I don't know that he has that kind of, like, charisma that makes me want to suggest potentially illegal things if he was my coworker, but... um, but he's not without his charms i don't know that like i feel like my stank meter on him would be like if would be like a a two or a three where i'm like i feel like the age gap i I mean i'm at an age now where the age gap is no longer a huge deal but i still feel like it would be a little weird like he looks a little old for me so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i would put him at like a two or three where i'm like you know what I totally would make out with you i would tell people about it i wouldn't feel regret necessarily but maybe a couple years down the line i would have reservations about it who knows
0: so funny. i think i would have to put them at an absolute one or zero uh, as like a reformed furry there's something about birds where i'm like that just seems too pointy too mm-hmm. angular in the face it just seems but then you have to just
2: you would simply have to get a little creative, right? Like you could just creative. put the, like one of those little like um what are those those like ones of like the sharp horns of different
0: animals. <laughs> you could just put oh, so funny! So funny. That's so funny! Oh my goodness, I have no problem with horns. The more horns, the better. Is that? That's what I always say. More horns, the better. Okay. Something about yes. beaks. I mm-hmm. I just can't get with the beak, and also storks yeah. make me think of babies. And I Storks you, right? Right. They yeah, are associated. Right? I can't like with the separate yeah. that. Yeah. Also, uh, I this is a people. man
2: that will that will bring you a baby without ever having any kind of sex. Like that is the that is the whole deal <laughs> of the stork. Like and no sex happens when a baby shows up. You're right, you're right. It's all responsibility, no fun.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. We
2: would have so low stank meter for us.
1: Yeah. I, I'm at a two, uh, a solid two. There's there's only a little. He he's a clean. He's a very clean fellow, a very clean mm-hmm. cut older gentleman. Um, the only yeah. like it's like um, a milkman. His only yeah, stank he, like, he has like
0: a little milkman cap. Yeah,
2: yeah, truly. Yeah, the dirtiest thing about him is literally the suggestiveness of the literal produce that he's hawking.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: Which is not he's even, not even, even like it's a, a red fair. fair. Yeah, not even a like a red fair pickle.
0: Very funny.
2: Is there something about Ren Fair pickle guys that I need to know about? I've never been to a Ren Fair. Uh, oh, yeah. if you go, I know to they have like,
0: a, a turkey leg.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. the Minnesota yeah, I, like, I, like, Ren Faire. I like Giant mutton. It just seems like a very like this is a white people activity that I've never
0: <laughs> actually delved into. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: I just you know I'm like this
1: is you all LARP like this. It's fine. I'll do I'll do my own thing. The secondhand embarrassment in going to a red fair is a truly unique experience, um, unlike another. You know, other. there's
2: there's something to be said about the sincerity with which people are just putting it all out there. I, I do love that very sincere kind of like I'm going to live this fantasy for a little bit. I think that's right? lovely. <laughs> I love it.
0: I've never been also... to a red fair. I've always wanted to go. Uh, sorry, Maryland state sport is jousting. And I'm a no. lover of horses. Yeah. Uh, so I've, but I've never been to one. I've always wanted to go. But I'm also very allergic to horses, so it's it's a catch. Oh,
2: I didn't know you could be allergic to horses. That's got to be a nightmare because they're so big. There's so much of them.
0: <laughs> and I I love it. Just like activates my asthma. And I love going to medieval times. I love getting drunk and going to medieval times and like Mm -hmm. just being kind of a nuisance to my friends and my friends alone it's so much fun but they have horses and they have um smoke machines which also activate my asthma so i'm just there Mm. like really having a great time cannot breathe cannot breathe okay but i'm Mm -hmm. having the time of my life
2: Oh, i love to be lit and unable to breathe in the presence of horses exactly. and jousting oh uh, my god that sounds like a great exactly.
0: time it's a dream
2: it's a dream i'm to have it. to hang out this sounds like such a good time yes you do yes oh,
0: please please we'll go the- they have a drink called the dragon slayer i've been too many times because i'm like oh, oh the dragon god. slayer
2: okay i'm gonna need you to to give me like a tour of their whole drink menu when this happens we'll order a flight Absolutely. and then you're just going to like
1: walk me through it oh i can't wait
0: no <laughs> oh, i'm i'm happy to i'm more than happy there
1: i'm so worried this entire time i've been thinking about how i haven't been to a red fair since the me too moment and i'm worried that um the me too movement might have killed my favorite thing about the red fair which was being like sexually harassed by the pickle sellers like from the side of the like main pickle walkways seller. as they make like w- terrible sexual remarks about the size oh, of their pickles right. Okay, oh, I've so just funny. realized
2: that we, we've that you've just circled us back around because I asked what a pickle guy was, like I didn't know anything about them, and then we just went on this whole tangent about how I'm supposed to now get drunk with Ren, and now you're like, we're, let's let's dial it back, let's talk about the pickle guy talking about his dick. Thank you very much for being the adult in the room. <laughs> yes,
1: let me keep this conversation on track. Um, we. Uh, next up on the Stanko meter, um, okay, is the Sunmade Raisin Girl. Sunmade Raisin Girl.
0: I, I, that makes me immediately think of the California Raisin Guys, which are <laughs> disgusting. yeah.
2: <laughs> <There I>. like <laughs> the racist looking ones like the mince yes show yes ones? yes the the, oh like the stop motion ass racist raisin dudes oh my
1: god <laughs> oh those
0: god <laughs> i forgot yeah, all about this unlock mm-hmm. that memory
1: yeah. Regret, 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 tens, tens, tens okay. across the board. Okay, let's see. So the sun made the sun made girl looks like
2: too much of a trad wife. Like I feel like she would necessarily have to be like kind of middle in my stank-o-meter because if we do hook mm-hmm. up, she's like a lot of strings will be attached. I'm going to like meet her family and then they're gonna see my Asian face and try to kill me. Like that seems to be the vibe. Like I feel like the Sun made raisin girl. Like, has, like, an Instagram where she takes a lot of, like, aesthetic autumn photos with, like, her coffee yeah. and her Uggs and her infinity scarves, you know? And her beanie.
0: I but now she's just in a little that. red I bonnet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I kind of feel like, though, she's a freak in the sheets. I mm. I have to say, yeah. she's going to be high on my stenometer Because, for sure, she's a tribe wife. For sure. It's, like, millennial humor, like, on TikTok, if you know what I'm talking
2: mm-hmm.
0: about, Adele thing um she definitely has all of these red flags but I bet that she is crazy in the bed with raisins I'm (laughs) obsessed I love her I I would marry her do you think do you think the
2: experience would be like would be raisin themed is that a part of it
0: (laughs) the more I think about it the more I hope not because I'm like raisins are dry (laughs) as hell um,
2: right, right, and they get like they're... really sticky, I feel like that would be like a health consideration, like I feel like you exactly. would probably want, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah
0: I, I don't I want anybody getting a yeast <laughs>
2: infection, least of all the sun made raisin lady, I don't want her, I don't want her to suffer from her for stink, safe. yeah, <laughs> because she's a trad wife, just talk to her about safer sex, we have to like <laughs> really, we have to make sure, sh- we have to safeguard her from at least the yeast infections.
1: I think the thing that scares me the most about her what is that she read Fifty Shades of Grey and that sparked something in her. And that's what led her but, on her path. But you know what? Sincerely, I feel like I
2: don't hate that either, right? That's <laughs> like so funny. whatever problems people have with like Fifty Shades of Grey, and I'm sure that there are plenty of very legitimate ones. I do love that like it sort of encouraged a generation of like older ladies to explore things that they have never really felt comfortable engaging with in public, right? And so I'm just like,
0: mm-hmm. you all get it.
2: You you, you go on and, and, and explore, like have that, have this wonderful opportunity. And they have like, they do it. I actually watched the first two Fifty Shades of Grey movies um, oh. in theaters with a friend of mine. And almost all of the audience members were just like exclusively older couples. And I'm just like, this is so, adorable i love this so much that they all just went out to see this dirty ass dakota johnson movie (laughs) like i just i found that to be super heartwarming and they would like make little comments to each other too and i can't remember what they were but none of them stood out to me as like particularly dirty they were just very sweet with each other and their little gasps of alarm (laughs) it was very it was fun
0: that's so cute i love that
2: so i'm sorry i, I like give keep a... just onto another tangent again
1: i'm sorry no <laughs> you're the Can't guest.
0: You forget, we love a tangent
1: you're the okay. guest in this house mm-hmm. so um sun made raising girl 5.5 on the stango meter
0: okay. seven in- seven and a diamond ring
1: okay okay i respect it
2: and yet you your you score what is your score
0: my score, I think I put, I put her
2: kind of, I forget exactly <laughs> because I just <laughs> put it out earlier. Maybe it's, maybe it's sort of like affected my my uh, view mm-hmm. of the raisin Girl, but I think I put her kind of in the middle where I was like, mm-hmm. totally would, would not be embarrassed to talk about it. Um, however, I still, I feel like there would be a lot of, a lot of issues we would have to work through.
1: Um, it's with, more like, embarrassing what life. you couldn't talk about. Mm um next one on the list i have for you is charlie tuna charlie, charlie.
0: oh that guy fucks <laughs> but he, he absolutely fucks that tuna with the glasses and whatever <gasps> oh, oh my, my god oh
2: yes yes he,
0: fucks. he has
2: he, fucks he has the sure. sexual appeal of like if you were a teacher and a substitute teacher comes in and you're like it would be unprofessional of me to shit where i eat however you're a temporary mm-hmm. stay and we could get up <laughs> to some nasty shit and i would never have to see you again like he kind of has that sort of like summer fling kind exactly. of vibe to him yeah he's like 100%. A,
0: he has the like same sex appeal as a watered down tony the tiger to me
2: yeah yeah he really does he's like tony the, tony the tiger, tiger. Tony the Tiger is like a Finsta like thought, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like Charlie Tuna is like a regular guy. And then you talk to him and you go out on a couple of dates and then you hook up and you're like, damn, this guy really knows his way around. Like this is amazing. You're right. Charlie Tuna, getting it in.
0: Honestly. And good for him. And what, good for him. What
2: would what's your yeah, what's your new vote on yes. Charlie Tuna?
0: <laughs> You've been too quiet, Van.
1: I that that is the guy at the bar where it's like the end of the night and he just keeps being like keeps doing the eyebrow raise at you oh, and you're like no. no no please not Charlie Tuna <laughs> but then you're like my options are only looking like Charlie Tuna <laughs> like that's how I mm. feel and then I I would I he he's high on stag for me but not like because of his like natural musk it's just like i feel bad doing this um Aww. really <laughs> so he's he's probably want to like, like boink the amber ring ring. out of charlie tuna like i feel like that would
2: yeah, be a fun time that's the no first thing. he, he mm. well i mean i i have difficulty relating to this angle just because like i don't i don't stay out at bars long enough <laughs> to know what the dredges look like at the end of the night like i don't know how people behave at that point in the evening if they're still at the bar and ordinarily like if i want to hook up with somebody i'm like uh hello excuse me you wanna and then like the conversation will either end or continue from there and that seems and that seems more efficient i don't understand this eyebrow race culture in which you come from like this this the whole eyebrow waggling thing that seems so foreign to me do
1: people still do that <laughs> do people so still funny. waggle their brows um yeah, eyebrow
2: waggling i feel like the only person who does that is jack black
0: <laughs> jack black and
2: 100 i would
0: you know Oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Just a certain point at the night where, like, everybody's doing their scans, like, around the Mm. room, and it's just like, oh, who do you make eye contact with? And each time you're just, like, landing on Charlie Tuna, and it's like, oh... Oh
2: <laughs> I feel like I feel like Charlie Tuna would have been long out of there before the end of the night. I feel like Charlie Tuna knows when <laughs> to leave a party.
1: I don't think so. I think
2: I think so. <laughs> I think you're reading Charlie Tuna all wrong. I think you're reading him textually, and I feel like Ren and I are reading Charlie Tuna subtextually. And subtextually <laughs> it's true. Charlie it's true. Tuna fucks.
0: He absolutely gets down. He seems like he have bongos which is, like, not sexual, but yes, related.
2: No, he definitely has, like, a weird instrument. <laughs> that he's not going to, like, he's not the guitar guy at the party who's going to start strumming mm-hmm. his guitar and everybody groans around the campus. Fire. no charlie tuna has like a little ukulele put away in the corner somewhere exactly. and after you hook up you you like look at it and you ask about it and charlie's like mm, i've been learning and then charlie tuna will not volunteer it for you he'll just let you let your curiosity take you where you need to go and then maybe mm-hmm. you get to hear the ukulele but he's not going to he's not going to like
1: put that foot we'll make forth, it a problem you know?
0: yeah he has um, a there i don't want I, believe it.
1: I don't want that at oh um, he's <laughs> that's he's fine seven, More tuna for us. yeah uh, yeah i think he would be like
2: also kind of middle on my stankometer honestly like but like a five or a six because like i totally yeah. would i don't think that i would necessarily be embarrassed about it or anything but like i feel like he would be an experience that i would want to like explore just out of curiosity
0: mm-hmm yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Definitely a 5 or 6 for me, too. Because he, like, mm-hmm. confirmed fucks, but perhaps he does not fuck me.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Oh, I fair enough, he, he does have the vibe. Like a... What do you mean he doesn't fuck good?
0: He's got so much swagger to him. Mr. Charlie, through <laughs> that. No. He's got ribs.
1: No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he does have high ribs. Have you seen him? This is, this is where y'all would be, like, at a party, flirting with Charlie Tuna, and I would just be, like, coming up, doing the lower back tap steer, like, of just, like, no, 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 like. I'm just trying to keep us safe. <laughs> no, see, yeah, like, Charlie Tuna you know, would
2: not be, would not be there at the end of the night, because Ren and I exist, and we, like. And people like us are bagging the Charlie it's Tunas true. before it's it true. gets to the end of the
1: evening.
0: And If no, I would, remember correctly,
1: be eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, <laughs> and I'm I'm doing the lower back steer of just like you're so funny. No, let's go. Let's go get a drink. Let's
0: let's. <laughs> you're gonna have an enemies to lovers arc with Charlie tuna. <laughs>
2: Oh, mm-hmm. heck no. I can't wait. I will write the yaoi. I will draw the smut.
0: So funny. Well, you know,
1: <laughs> did I? I told Ren this. This is not podcast canon yet, but I did mm-hmm. my tarot mm-hmm. reading with the deck you drew, by the way, uh, which is nice. my my go-to deck. Um, but my reading was that I needed to uh, be pursued Rather than being the pursuer in my next relationship,
0: and I agree. Okay. Let Charlie Jr. pursue you.
1: Yeah, take a dip in that little pool and just let him
2: swim around behind you for a exactly.
0: while. He's a little guy. He's like a. Sh- he's oh, that's so fine. I'm like he's a shark, but no, he's obviously tuna. He's a tuna. That's my um, bad. That's my misunderstanding. He does. I will little end little on
1: shark. my my list was so long, but um we will just end on this next one um, okay did we go too deep were, were these supposed to go faster because I, I thought this like... would be a little more rapid fire but y'all want to really <laughs> dig in I didn't realize this I was thinking like oh quick judge quick judge boom 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 but y'all y'all want to no, go no this
0: is fun
1: y'all want to do fascinating. the scoring um, Okay. the last one is of course uh, Chester Cheetah Chester Cheetah, I,
2: I like, like. that. I just have to have Google she- him to make sure. He hmm, like okay.
0: definitely. He in another life in another universe. Maybe if I were a completely different person, but I don't know. He just seems kind of like gross. He, but I don't know. It's <laughs> he's
2: like- he's extremely high on the stankometer for me because like he gives the vibes of like somebody where I'm like under the right circumstances, totally would, would definitely be embarrassed to talk about it. And he probably gave me an STI and didn't tell me like, that's the vibe of Chester Cheetah.
0: Agree. Hard agree. Yeah.
1: He's clearly, he's someone where, you know, everyone is like, we're sex positive, but Chester Cheetah's body count is very high. Like when you, like, (laughs) right. Yeah. Like Like, he's he's, very we're sex positive, but
0: he's giving like um, old man. Like he's just yeah. too mm-hmm. like and yeah, Chester Cheetah is you know, very
2: much like go on.
0: Oh sorry, I'm like just he seems like he'd be like very frail and skinny and I'm mm-hmm. scared. I'm i I'm too I'm too scared for Chester Cheetah.
2: Yeah, She's no, like, he does look like he, he wouldn't like I feel like he looks energetic but like in his profile photos but like you get in with him in person and he's like having a problem climbing the stairs like he he does look a little yes. anemic
1: yeah he's a 65 year old dude who's posting pics online that make him look like 40 mm-hmm. yeah no he's definitely a man
2: who's like looking for a third when he doesn't have
1: a second yet
2: like that's kind of mm-hmm. what i get from chester cheetah
0: that's putting it perfectly i looking for a third when he doesn't have a second i love that that's perfect
1: he does have that energy though of ren i sent you that video of like the detroit spinners and just how like their entire performance of singing um the rubber band man song
0: oh so Um, funny i was like oh what (laughs) immediately my brain was like fidget spinner
1: (laughs) but it's just a bunch of like old dudes like dancing really intensely on stage like but you know like they're only dancing for like four minutes and then once they get off stage they're just going to be drenched in sweat um oh absolutely the only thing keeping them going is like cocaine so
0: cocaine. oh no that's the
2: You're just like, oh, look, it's a whole cave of cocaine bears. <laughs> a
0: whole cave. That's very cool. Well, funny. this oh, poor
1: concludes Chester. Uh, this uh, installment of another one of my Little Saw games. And I think I lost this time. I think yeah, I... That's right. I,
2: I don't think there are winners and losers in this game. I think we all understand each other better.
0: I'm glad Dan lost
1: the charlie tuna of all that did me in (laughs) what was the moment where you realized this game was maybe a mistake (laughs) um it really was charlie tuna it was like the point in the saw movie where where saw's like oh they really will go to any lengths to get out of my little game
0: like so funny Mr. Saul. I don't
1: think we were trying to get out. I feel like you,
2: I feel like this was a situation where we were both like you were stuck here with us. Actually, <laughs> yeah. we were the monsters all along. Exactly. I still feel like we were very me- measured and fair with our assessments of each of these
1: mascots. Hmm. Hmm. Um, do you want to hear I'm the alternate list?
0: The only. Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Tell me about the rest of the list. Yeah. Um, there really was only three more. Um do you wanna let let's rapid fire and do score only? Um Okay, okay. 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 Mr. Clean.
0: Ten. Ten mm. out of ten.
2: Yeah,
1: ten out of ten. Zero. Zero stanky for me. He is one hundred percent because he's clean. He's he's uh, clean. He's, he's you break him home to the family, in my opinion. Um yeah but i feel like i would be like i would i would get mr clean dirty i'm sorry we're rapid firing this let's go <laughs> okay. um mrs buttersworth oh Ooh. i love her eight actually <laughs> eight. seven uh and then of course mr peanut ten
0: hmm i i i don't know i i have to have to say five i'm really not sure
1: he's I think he's a wild card, anywhere from one to ten, and you don't know, and that's the dangerous part.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was recently reborn.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have mixed feelings about that.
0: <laughs> mixed nuts, mixed feelings.
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, that that uh that was all the alternates. Um we could okay. have gone <laughs> on another 30 minutes though, I think on those <laughs> alone. But Trump, we've brought you in here as a as a guest, expert, as a as a guest expert. Um, and oh, when no. we tried to narrow down uh, the topic that you wanted to uh, come on to the podcast to talk about, you, rather than narrowing the topic, you continuously broadened it to the point <laughs> where our trash is every romantic comedy ever.
2: Um, <laughs> Okay, it is not every romantic comedy ever. I promise I will condense this. Give me a time limit. I will try to stick
1: to it. <laughs> That's the most dangerous part of the game. There's no time limit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine.
2: I will. I will. I will try my best to be respectful of whatever human hours I imagine that you two keep. I. I, I guess you brought me here to talk about rom coms, which I love. Um, I'm by no means an expert on rom-coms I just happen to really love them because I grew up kind of watching them because they seemed safe I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of like movies and pop culture stuff but because I'm like a first-gen immigrant like I immigrated with my parents um, there was a lot about American popular culture that I just wanted to like figure out and so I ended up watching a lot of these movies kind of anthropologically right and now as an adult and i'm re-watching them i can sort of contextualize them in ways that i didn't have the tools to understand when i was a kid and so i still love all these movies just like in totally different ways because a lot of them are real problematic with a capital p and we'll go through the reasons why and please let me know if you have any questions because if you let me i will <laughs> monologue at you for the next hour and i don't think people want
1: that so no we just,
0: love it we love it however you love it
1: Okay. What <clears throat> I do want to know, um, Ren, what's your relationship to romantic comedies? What
0: I that's that's tough. So when I was young, I so I'm a sister who's twelve years older, and I grew up like just doing whatever she did at like way too young of an age. Like she would watch Friends, I would watch Friends. She would watch Laguna Beach, I would watch Laguna Beach, but she'd be like. 16 and i would be three um so she liked rom-coms and i never like got that into them when i was like little little but then when i got older except for how to lose a guy in however many days i think it's like 10 days or something like that i love
1: that movie (laughs) that's the simpsons like title for that movie
0: (laughs) how to lose a guy in however many days um uh, but when I was like a teenager, I was a big uh, in log, like not like other girls' girl. So I was like, "Oh, mm, romance is for girls," and I want to, I don't know, monster truck, dirt, whatever. I thought was the opposite of a rom com. Uh, so, but now I'm trying to like get into them, and I, well, not really get into. Them. I'm trying to like open myself up to them. Uh, but I found that they make me, like, profoundly embarrassed I can't mm-hmm. They make me so, like, I, I actively blush And I'm like, oh no, I have nothing <laughs> to do with this film But it's affecting me It's cinema
2: Yeah, yeah I I think I never had this relationship with rom-coms literally just because of that anthropological angle, right? Because Mm -hmm. every movie that I would watch, I became very fond of them eventually. And I realized it was because I was watching them and I would be like, Ooh, I can't wait to watch my like white people nonsense shenanigans because that's what a lot of them are. Um, Rom-coms are so pervasively, like at least within the canon of American film, they're just overwhelmingly white. Like there are a lot of really fantastic kind of comedy dramas that are romantic um, from like, uh, from like a lot of like black film creators. And we've very recently gotten a lot of really fantastic Asian-Americans and like kind of like Asian rom-coms just in general. Um, I loved the, um, what is it, Tap Build? Um, uh, 12 Boys I've Loved Before. That whole series is um... my jelly and my jam. So, so good, very well put together. Um, Crazy Rich Asians was a lot of fun. Um, Watered the book down to a Cinderella story, which I think was a smart choice because those books were very long and meandering for no reason, Um, but enjoyable. Um, Yeah, so I just, yeah, rom-coms I've always sort of watched. I have not seen Fire Island yet because I'm real picky about my Pride and Prejudice um, kind of like adaptations. And that's one where I've heard like kind of mixed things about, so I'm very curious about how that one's gonna strike me, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I'm like yeah. So I have to watch that. Have you not? Did you? Did you, I mean you knew it was a Pride and Prejudice adaptation, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah. it kind of references it to a certain extent, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it is like it's like how some stories are like Romeo and Juliet's, but like
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: not like a direct one to one. I don't think so. What movie it, is this? Uh, oh, uh, you know Fire what the Island.
2: Reason why- I have not seen Fire Island yet, I'm pretty sure is because of the dis- the phenomenon that Ren was describing earlier, where you get really embarrassed when you watch mm. rom coms. Because when I watched them earlier in my life, I never personalized them because I was like, these are heterosexual, like white people. Like this is nothing to mm-hmm. do with me. I could just like watch them like little animals in a zoo. And it's like this fat, like, oh, that's so cute. Whereas like with Fire Island, I feel like it would be a little too close to my experience. And so I would like mm-hmm. feel embarrassed by it, right? And so that's kind of why I've been hesitant to, but I really got to watch it. I, I absolutely need me too um but yeah uh, i gave you like this very long list of rom-coms that i just happen to love these are literally these are only the movies that i have like saved on my phone for me to watch on airplanes by the way there are like there are plenty more um so i gave you a list that was like clueless moonstruck miss pedagree lives for a day mystic pizza pretty in pink some kind of wonderful the holiday some like it hot uh the prince's bride was in there too but i don't know that that's strictly a rom-com but i kind of put it in that malia um when harry met sally uh joe versus volcano is not one that i've seen yet but but we're going to reference that later because we'll be talking about Tom Hanks a little bit. Sleepless in Seattle uh, is one that I've seen and enjoyed relatively recently. I could not finish it all the way through the first time. uh, While You Were Sleeping uh, is kind of out of left field, but sort of also within that kind of flavor. And You've Got Mail is the one where I sort of want to end with a little bit. Um, And I'm going to focus on the John Hughes ones and the Nora Ephron ones because all the other ones are fantastic those are the ones that i think are the most emblematic of these they're like of their particular moments in time and i love that about them um so uh which one do you want to like have you ever have you two ever seen like john hughes movies the like 1980s no. like teen rom-coms you okay. know what they're a- that's a huge wide spot spot
1: for me Mm-mm. okay Mm-mm.
2: they're not movies that i recommend because they're super racist and rapey um in parts Mm -hmm. uh 16 candles is the one that a lot of people have a lot of issues with rightly um because that's the one that's the most explicitly kind of racist and the most explicitly like everybody needs to get me too'd immediately um so that one's like i think that's one that, that one is an earlier one and that's one that i would often argue that is would be literally less racist if They just took out the gong sound that played after every time the asian character shows up because he actually has a really lovely character arc on it where he's a foreign exchange student who shows up and it's pretty explicit that like the white people are the ridiculous people in the situation and he like gets a girlfriend and they have like this lovely rapport and it's actually like the nice relationship in that movie and the rest of it is just like very like very explicit sexual assault sequences a girl maybe gets raped, like off screen, like there's a lot of that in there and it's totally played for laughs. And so it's a very, very difficult one to get into, but it's very emblematic of the eighties. John Hughes is... I've learned uh, kind of important to the teen rom-com because he was one of the first filmmakers to sort of make movies that didn't talk down to their teenage audience, right? So a lot of his movies have become cult classics because they were made during a time just after that moment in American history where teenagers had expendable income, where like they could get jobs and like have allowances and like take their little friends out and go to movies and stuff like that. And teen movies used to be all like very preachy. They used to, they used to all be about like, don't you know don't smoke a doobie and don't get like pregnant like it's all it, they were all very <laughs> preachy and the John you News movies cite, are
1: just like. can you cite the film where you quoted don't smoke a doobie from <laughs> that wasn't a quote that
2: was just a vibe but like just look, look for like some mickey rooney ass like teen rom-coms from like the before times you'll find what i'm talking about um But yeah, so his movies were like kind of accessible in a way where they were like, oh, his characters have like issues that are personal to them and not about like moralizing to teenagers. Um, And they could just like be dramatic and be messy people. And so they kind of felt a little bit like adults. And a part of that also was just like a lot of his characters were sort of deceived for this very 1980s Reaganomics sort of perspective on the way that class and social dynamics were supposed to work. So they are... Absolutely fascinating. So the movies that I tend we to love focus on the most on the pod. Oh, yeah, Reaganomics. Fantastic. <laughs> I just love <laughs> You know, Charlie Tuna lets it trickle down. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't like that.
1: I don't so, like that at all. Um, that's, that's...
2: So, the movies that I tend to focus on with John Hughes are Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful, which are two movies. Um, Pretty in Pink is much more famous, it came out in 1986, and Some Kind of Wonderful came out in 1987. They're both written, I think, by John Hughes, and they were both directed by um, Howard Deutsch. I believe and they're the same movie they are the exact same plot but they're gender flipped. So Pretty in Pink oh. is about a girl who you know has a talent for sewing, but she comes from a really poor neighborhood and she goes to a school where a lot of like rich kids in Chicago go. And so it's about her falling in love with this rich guy and they develop this relationship. She has this friend named Ducky, who's like got a real bad for her, but she, they're just platonic. And he has a lot of like, man painy like friend friend-zone-y feelings. Um, and in the original movie, he was supposed to end up with her at the end, but the audience has hated that which i'm like good on 1980s audience for rightly clocking that it was real weird that like this guy who just kept harassing her because he was friends with her for a longer time like gets to like glam on her or whatever and so they changed the ending so that she ends up with the guy that she's actually interested in in the movie from the beginning and the movie does this really fascinating thing where it makes it explicit like the characters talk about class in a way that um is sort of reflected also in the 90s where class is sort of like this theoretical ephemeral thing and it doesn't have anything to do with the material realities of the people who are living in it like you see a little bit of it but they talk about it as though rich people can be an oppressed class because or people resent them and can be mean to them, right? Like, that's the extent yeah. of the social politics of the 80s at the time. And so it's very, like, oh, poor rich kids, the poor kids don't like you because you have all these resources and you don't understand why. They can't just not be poor. Like,
1: it's that sort of thing. Yeah. And the, it's also um,
2: the love interest character... Mm?
1: Oh, it's often also in, like, movies of, like, the 80s and 90s where class is purely depicted through, like, aesthetic. Like, there's no, like, mm-hmm. actual reality differences it's just like oh these two characters wear different clothes and when they show pictures of their room one is like brown um and those Mm -hmm. are poor people um
0: yep
2: yeah i feel like it, it is a little bit more beyond aesthetic in these movies but only in like design and the locale because if you shoot in a in a city like um like Chicago or in like Los Angeles the class stratification is visual in a way that's very distinct so it's hard to like pretend you know like it's hard to like mm-hmm. have poverty be there just for the aesthetics but like the characters do treat it like the poverty is just an aesthetic thing um and one of the characters actually said something to the effect of like um that I don't know the exact quote but the like uh Andrew McCarthy like um Uh, love interest kid who's like 16 or 17 is like the heir to some kind of like company and his parents are very wealthy and he says something like um, princes and kings have like been replaced with like CEOs and like business people like something to that effect which is Mm -hmm. like saying the quiet part out loud in terms of Reaganomics right in terms of like the social inclinations of the 1980s to think of wealthy people as royalty and that's kind of always what rich people have believed about themselves is that they're entitled by divine rights because they it's sort of like that prosperity gospel stuff too where it's like oh you're rich because god believes that you should be wealthy and so they think of themselves as kings and the character just like straight up says that in this movie and i'm just like that is Fascinating. Um, so, some kind of wonderful is the exact same plot, but gender flipped and so, uh, gender-flipped. And so, it's about this uh, poor kid who has, instead of a talent for you know sewing, like the Molly Ringwald character did in Pretty Pink, he has a talent for working with cars because he's a guy. Um, but he falls in love with a rich girl, and in this version they actually stick to the subplot of the best friend character actually ending up with the main character at the end because they like he like takes the rich girl out on a date and then they find out that they're like not quite right for each other and then they like he ends up with a mary masterson character who's named watts also all of the characters in some kind of wonderful are um named after are sort of in reference to the Rolling Stones. like the main character's name is oh. Keith after Keith Richards. The best friend character is named after Charlie Watts. Her name is Watts. I believe it's a nickname, but everyone calls her Watts in the movie. And the rich girl that they fall that he falls in love with is uh, Amanda Jones named after Miss Amanda Jones, that song. So it's like a weird little like oh, like we're rock and roll guys like boomers Gotta love screen making media for gen xers yeah 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 so it's that sort of thing yeah so My they're both joke. F- and yeah they're they're great you should uh you should watch those too because they're relatively tame um in terms mm-hmm. of its content and its like problematicness within the within a contemporary context but they're fun to like kind of watch and think about in terms of like this is what how people popularly thought about the politics of like wealth stratification at the time it was just and like filtered through the eyes of these young characters and so there's a little bit of plausible deniability in that they're young and they don't have the full context for the world in which they occupy but there's a lot of like that shit to parse through and it is amazing and i love it and you should definitely give it a go if you haven't um yeah yeah And, and i mean like it's just like it's like anything that's written by like a bunch of old guys with like very young characters they become mouthpieces for their ideology whether they kind of did it on purpose or not it's just something that happens and so both of these movies reflect that in certain ways although i would argue that some kind of wonderful is a little bit uh gentler and maybe more thoughtful than pretty and pink was even though pretty and pink was the more popular one um yeah so the other one that sort of elides class topics because they're about rich people like literally from top to bottom is, are the nora efron movies <laughs> um and the Nora Ephron movies are a lot of fun because they uh, put me through my gauntlet of like the most fuckable Blanson men from the 90s. Like I, I love these movies for that reason because as Chase put it, it at the top of the podcast, I love a jowly man. And that is something that I will repeat over and over and over. Um, and the 90s were just lousy with them. Like, every guy was like, just kind of, like, a little bit regular looking, you know? Like, it was before, like, mm-hmm. every action star had to had to have, like, a desiccated six-pack so that you could see all of their muscles and, like, dehydrate for days. Um, yeah. And so, all of her kind of leading men are, like, kind of, like, soft jowly dudes with jobs and with real people priorities and with quirks and they're not always likable which is always super fun um it starts with uh when harry met sally which was um i think it was written by I a and directed by rob reiner oh uh, have you seen that movie it's fantastic you should watch it if you haven't um and that's kind of like that movie and its soundtrack by harry connor jr and like one of his very first jobs sort of defined the template of like rom-coms going forward and so that came out in 1989 um and then uh meg ryan who was in when harry met sally uh was paired with tom hanks for the first time in joe versus volcano which i haven't seen which came out in 1990 and so i need to like watch that uh but there's some racist shit in there because there's it's like there's like island people the way that hollywood in the 90s portrayed them so i don't i'm not looking forward to that but i have to watch it and do my due, due diligence about that um i tried to watch sleepless in seattle which came out in 1993 like maybe five years ago and i thought it was so boring and i couldn't get all the way through it so i think i made about halfway through and i was like i don't understand why we're supposed to care about any any of these people i don't and then I tried to watch it again and I like loved it from top to bottom and I don't know what changed in my life, <laughs> but it's a, but it's about a, um, but it's about this journalist, this woman played by Meg Ryan who falls in love with a man that she hears about on the radio because he's a widower and his son like, you know, calls into this like radio program to talk about how sad his single dad is. <laughs> and so she like oh, flies across right. the country and like breaks up her relationship to be with him. Um, She leaves a character played by Bill Pullman um, who we know that she's not right for because narratively he has allergies and for some reason that's very gross and makes him <laughs> incompatible with Meg Ryan who is beautiful <laughs> and perfect. So, uh, so she stalks this man that she's mm. never seen, never met and has only heard of from the radio um, and they like don't really get together and they don't really get together at all. They like meet at the very end of the movie um, but it's kind of like a, but it's a, it's a fascinating piece and it's sort of this kind of very repressed like, it's sort of like if a if a, a romance novel was only the lead up and none of the sex, like it's sort of just that part of the rom-com. And so I could not get into it for a long time and I just finally like, something clicked in me and I got it. Um, yeah, and then after that- And then um,
1: that's right. Prominent.
2: Yes, it's it's essentially just like emotional edging for the entire movie. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sleepless in Seattle is not something that I would like recommend to people just based on like it will bore you at first if you don't really It's sort of like going to the opera where you have to like read up on it a little bit before you go in so mm-hmm. you can be like, "Oh, here are the pieces that I can put together." Yeah. Um, so uh
1: <laughs> do you have a question for me, <laughs> Chase? You're
2: just looking I... at me like
1: absolutely nuts. <laughs> One I realized Ren would be the um person who would be left in the rom-com because of her horse allergy. Um and that would be oh, reasonable. No. <laughs> and I'm like in a terribly reductive, like um it's the same way when we talked about room raiders that no one ever leaves or no one ever like hated like the actual like standout red flags when they raided someone's room it would be just like okay. weird character traits so mm-hmm. i'm sorry Ren. it's Ren, okay i hope I, I missed whatever you, you said because i
0: got disconnected so oh, no.
1: oh. i said you would be left in a rom-com because you have allergies to horses
0: i have mm. allergies to many things
2: So, Um, well, I hope I never make it for Tom Hanks because of your allergies. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so that would be the first time that I I see Meg Ryan, like leaving some guy for Tom Hanks in a movie. Um, I'll bring up. uh, So this is not a Nora Ephron movie. Uh, While You Were Sleeping came out in 1995 and that's with Sandra Bullock. And Peter Gallagher is in the movie and Bill Pullman is the love interest character. So there are kind of like two love interest characters, spoilers, one of them is comatose for almost the entire movie and she falls in love with his brother. Um, But it's, yeah, it's very, very good. It's a great, it's a fantastic fucking movie and I hope that more people watch it. It's a a charmer, Um, but uh, Bill Pullman is also in that movie. Uh, at his like jowly 90s blandsome man vest. Um, I've described him, I sent you the comic, but I always described Bill Pullman in the 90s as like being so blandsome that it's erotic, you know? Like he's just like so regular looking that you're like, this is this is working for me for some reason that I need to work out in therapy. Like that's sort of his whole vibe. Um, and there were so many men in the 90s like that. And Greg Kinnear is another example of it. But anyway, so we've gotten through uh, Sleepless in Seattle where Meg Ryan leaves bill pullman for tom hanks and then bill pullman gets to actually be the leading man um oops sorry hold on just a second my computer mm-hmm. decided that i was talking for too long and went to sleep so i hope you didn't miss any of that <laughs> um I don't think so bill pullman it, gets though. to be uh, gets to be the leading man um, in uh, While You Were Sleeping, uh, which he does a great job in. And then um, in 1998, we get You've Got Mail, also directed uh, by Nora Ephron, I think written by her and her sister. Um, and this is a movie where Meg Ryan leaves Greg Kinnear for, um, for Tom Hanks. And so this is a, a repairing of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks uh, for the third time and Meg Ryan leaves another man for Tom Hanks. So it's just all of this. And Greg Kinnear being left uh, by uh, somebody to like be with another person is like a thing that happens a lot in the nineties. Like Sabrina is a remake of a 1954 film with Audrey Hepburn and the main character leaves Greg Kinnear to be with his older brother character. And then in this movie, you've got mail in 1998 Nora Ephron has Meg Ryan leaving Greg Kinnear to be with Tom Hanks. And it was pointed out to me recently that um in the movie as good as it gets with jack nicholson um greg Kinnear plays a gay man but his dog tries to leave him for jack nicholson oh. so apparently people leaving oh. greg Kneer in a movie yeah, is just oh. a thing that happens he's just like the he's like the archetype of the cuckold in the 1990s which i find so fucking funny um oh yeah
1: that's sad. <laughs> it's sad but it's i don't been- like
2: that I, don't I-, I love that he got to be typecast listen he seems to have had a lovely career and he seems very even-keeled mm-hmm. as far as i know i know very little about these people um outside of their movies but um so i love all of these movies but they're also like a descendant of those 80s movies of that cultural milieu of the 1980s where class is this aesthetic thing because in you've got mail the thing that i found to be really fascinating is that it is a remake of several other remakes actually it was a stage play called la parfumerie um by miklos laszlo i believe and then it was made into a movie um starring jimmy stewart uh very early on in like maybe the 40s or something maybe late 30s early 40s i can't remember but then it was remade again into another movie called in the good old summertime with judy garland where she plays opposite a very handsome tall gay man um but they get together in the end he's not gay in the movie the actor is gay it's very clear um and then uh you've got male as a remake of those movies um and in the first iterations of the movies they're co-workers that have a relationship and so one of them is like a senior uh like person in that work environment in the shop around the corner um which gets referenced in the you've got mail movie because the bookstore that uh meg ryan's character works in is called shop around the corner um but in this movie it sort of plays up the power imbalance between meg ryan's character and tom hanks's character because uh tom hanks plays a like like corporate book magnate that is trying to like edge out Meg Ryan's business. So he's like like taking over... Yeah. He's the Barnes and Noble guy. Yeah. Basically in the nineties, he's like the head of like Barnes and Noble It's called Fox books in the movies. And so he puts her store out of business and like, it's supposed to be sexy or something, but the whole time, like this is as close as we get to the material reality of class. And like that kind of like ideological divide, because it's still very much like, Oh, like this is a romance that could still happen. Whereas today, that really is something where people are a lot more mindful of that particular power imbalance and the sort of like political implications of somebody who occupies that political or like that wealth strata. Um, and so that's kind of just like me word vomiting about all of the uh, rom-com hot takes that I've had like from the eighties through much of the nineties. Um, and here we are today where people are a little bit more mindful and the stories are slightly more boring, but they look very good for the most part. And <laughs> I don't know who any of the stars are.
0: Very funny, I love it. A
1: whole talk from Ted. Right, right. Yeah. Happy Valentine's right Day. Day. Watch all of these gross romantic movies about white people doing <laughs> and falling in love. It's fine. I watched Pretty Woman in preparation for this. That was my my really. Research. I never, oh, I love that movie.
0: Yeah, I. I've like never that seen movie it too. before.
1: How did you find it? I thought it was. Um, it was kind of like some like it hot, where mm-hmm. it could be very difficult to swallow in a contemporary context um but it surprises you in how mindful it is of certain things um there's of course Mm -hmm. like terminology and and outdated attitudes that are definitely like Mm -hmm. present but it feels more like a rule structure of that narrative rather than like something Mm -hmm. i don't know personal or whatever but i do think it's an interesting example of how in 2024 we are highly class conscious to the point where we often avoid media that mixes people of different classes. Um yeah. Whereas like certain media, even like old school, like, I don't know, cartoons were often about like, I don't know, the little, little, hobo character or whatever, like, getting a, a win on the rich man or something like that. Um, And Pretty yeah. Woman was also just, like, very much, like, there's a massive class divide in between these two characters. And I think the difficulties of navigating it is very interestingly mm-hmm. explored. Um, And yeah. how that opulence is, like, fascinating to her, but she also... Uh, Julia Roberts's character is also very conscious of, like, how soul-sucking it is. And she inspires, like, this kind of consciousness building. Which the consciousness building is that the um, business guy decides he wants to build U.S. naval destroyers. Um, and that's, like... Yeah. <laughs> but, anyway, uh, I think it was a very delightful romantic comedy do you yeah does my esteemed panel have well you can comment on that but i'm also curious if anyone has a favorite romantic comedy among this triumvirate
2: well i mean i have some hot takes about pretty woman too mostly in that like it like people have written really beautifully about pretty woman like as a Hmm. cinderella story and so all the characters are sort of archetypes it is very gentle but a lot of things, like, it's not quite as judgmental about sex work as a lot of other movies in its time mm-hmm. would have been. Um, but it also sort of, like, um, it sort of declaws the reality of it in a way that sort of takes agency away from real sex workers also, because it is just a Cinderella story. It's also the exact same movie as The Prince's Diaries, which is fascinating, because Gary Marshall directed both of them.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're
2: both produced by Disney, because, uh, because I think it was... Pretty Woman was through Buena Vista Home Entertainment. And so th- they're the same movie, like he made the same movie twice, except like he made one for teens and he made one for adults. And one was Julia Roberts and one was Anne Hathaway. And so Pretty Woman and Gary Marshall and The Princess Diaries are both fascinating to me in that particular way, where they're both movies about women or like I guess girls who navigate uh, social strata in this like really outlandish lottery type of way, and they're both Cinderella stories in mm-hmm. that way. Because there's still that there's like the makeover scene. There is always there's always the like class revenge scene that she has, where somebody gets to come up and it's 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 kind of fascinating that those are the tropes that get repeated in those movies for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to. Think. <laughs> I'm like, um, I'm trying to think like. The closest thing I have to a favorite rom com is the movie They Came Together. Uh, oh my gosh! Like, yeah,
2: the Amy Poehler movie. Yeah,
0: yeah I really like that movie, um, but not in a sort of like nuanced way. Just in a like, oh, this made me laugh. And it's very hard uh, for me to laugh for to find movies that make me laugh, and for some reason, that one really got me.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah it was sort of a send up a lot of those comedies um which i think are i think it was done lovingly it wasn't a movie that i like loved right away because i didn't get a lot of the jokes because i tried to watch that movie before Mm -hmm. i got really into (laughs)
0: rom-coms and now i feel like i have
2: to go back and watch that one again Mm -hmm.
0: that's funny i i've seen like maybe a handful of rom-coms and i still really thought it was really funny so it's interesting how those kinds of like tropes can sometimes either like really land or like really friends and the media at their end what about you
1: van um i'm trying to think i do enjoy like fire island is actually as far as like recent um romantic comedies definitely like one of my favorites just the the humor and sensibility is like very on my um really really hits for me really slaps as as the youth Hmm. would say um <laughs> some like it Some like it Hot is also definitely like one of my favorite mm. movies of all time. Um but That's I don't know if I would call movie. it a rom-com necessarily necessarily like it uh mm. doesn't uh, it's, it's
2: more of a farce, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's very um they they move around so much for a rom-com yeah. for, like mm-hmm. they they do a lot of things for a rom-com. The mm-hmm. the emotional melodrama isn't the the stakes isn't so much in the melodrama of their emotions, it's kind of in their physical like circumstances, which I think shifts yeah. the nature of a that rom-com. Is,
2: that is a fascinating take. Because I think Some Like It Hot existed in an era where the movies that came just before it, the like screwball comedies, had to be very like mm-hmm. physical in the comedy because they couldn't be explicit about the sex. And so they had to put all that frenetic energy somewhere else in the movie. So I think it's it's really kind of a steep that you've noticed that about that movie.
1: I think, and this, this is a very like prototypical like rom-com, but if you ever watch like His Girl Friday, Um, Mm -hmm. which is like a 1940s movie, and I couldn't even tell you what the plot is to it. Mm -hmm. It involves someone like I don't know. There's money, newspaper, yada yada yada. (laughs) But you aren't watching it for for that nonsense
2: newspaper man. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're watching it for the dialogue, like purely for the dialogue Mm -hmm. and the like verbal sparring. Um,
2: Yeah, they talk faster than I did when I was just talking about rom coms five minutes ago.
1: They're just like, yeah, see, you know, and then just like jab, 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 jab. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh, that that is a really fun one. I think actually my favorite one um at the moment is probably Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, uh, which oh. is a nineteen fifty-four movie based off of a, a novel by uh I think it is it Anita Loose. Yeah, it's it's by a serial it's like a, a serialized um, chapter book that came out in the like 1920s that is very different from the movie and the movie does a really fantastic job of kind of like adapting it to be in the 1950s but also like keep the sensibilities of the characters it's it's good yeah it's got that famous uh, diamonds are a girl's best friend musical number that everybody references but yeah. like, more people need to watch the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is even better than that sequence
1: you don't gotta watch other movies, just watch Moulin Rouge. It has all the other movies in it. Oh, God. <laughs> I just had to say, watch the the pain creep into your eyes as more words
2: happen. Hey. I feel like I've known you long enough to sort of just, like, let it wash over me and
1: just sort of be like, oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> this hey, too it's shall delightful. pass.
2: No, I I, I, that's, what you. I,
1: that's what I imagine other people are just like, this is really bad right now, but it will get better. <laughs> we'll never change. <laughs> well, thank you, Trung, for giving us, like, an exhaustive rundown. The most in-depth <laughs> conversation yes, thank we've you, thank probably you. ever had. We have been schooled. We have been learned. Um, everyone can use this as they're navigating uh, uh <laughs> As one of the people I know who is in a loving, wonderful relationship, um, do you have love and Valentine's Day and romantic comedy advice for me and Ren, two singles on the prowl, uh, constantly talking about what's happening um, in our terrible uh... lives? Dating think My first piece
2: of advice is that you should not ask people in happy relationships how to not be single because those people suck at being single. Like I remember (laughs) being single many years ago and I was terrible at it. I feel like it's a miracle that like anything positive happened in my life. So it just I don't have any like meaningful advice for you. Like it's just like I feel like if you ask like a happily married person for like really for like dating advice, they're just gonna be like, hmm is very very condescending about it. Um <laughs> I think uh
0: Do you have unhelpful have advice.
2: Give us the unhelpful most advice. unhelpful advice.
0: Oh yeah. Well, the oh worst God, thing you can think of. The most
2: the most unhelpful advice that I think people keep giving to single people who don't want to be single anymore is to just be like don't try. Just let it happen. <laughs> That's how it always happens. And like yes. it, I it's a thing that I think can be true because it feels true when it happens however that's not advice that's literally just well i'm throwing up my hands there's nothing i can do for you like i think that's the sentiment which is not useful um yeah i mean i think the cheesier thing that i would say would be like uh like attraction is something that you can't help but like being a loving person is actually a choice that you have to actively make all the time and so showing up for your friends is actually a really great way to like eventually show up for the people who like you want to fuck like it's 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 a it's um those skills transfer believe it or not if you're a nice person it's a lot easier to hook up with people. Wow, that's good to know.
0: That's, that's good advice. Be kind. Be nice. Be loving.
1: And the fuck will come, beautiful. <laughs> and Charlie Tuna will come home with you. <laughs> no, exactly.
0: My- we need to find and Charlie Tuna.
2: No, oh dear, we do. We do. No, no, no. We're gonna cast a net and we're gonna reel him in for you. <laughs> no, there you
1: go. no, no, no.
2: Um... Mm, yeah, we're gonna get you your
1: very own chicken of the sea. <laughs> oh. This is a bad place now. My podcast is so, something I enjoy doing.
2: You send me so many nightmare memes and jokes I don't understand. I feel like I'm finally getting one back over on you.
0: It's revenge. Well, thank
2: you so much for having me on. It was so much fun to
1: chat with the two of you. Thank you for letting yes, me just, like,
0: thank you rant about rom-coms.
1: Do you have anything you would like to promote to the the good people at home? Oh, okay. Um, I don't have
2: anything coming out like this year because I am so behind on all my graphic novels. But my debut graphic novel came out in 2020. It's called The Magic Fish. I've been uh, book touring in a bunch of different places that are not the U.S. because it came out during the pandemic and so I didn't get to go anywhere. So it still kind of feels like it's being rolled out right now, which is nice because new people are reading it all the time. Um, I did a Valentine's Day short comic, uh, Love Unlimited. Um, on the Marvel app. So they have a scrolling comic where I sort of like revamped um, the character of Karma a little bit. Um, I actually read through some of the old like uh, uh, X Men comics that she was in, and they actually did a pretty good job like um, making sure that they were considerate and thoughtful about a lot of the other details. I just needed to like give her a real Vietnamese name and like let her have this being cool. fun. And so she, yeah, so she drinks with, um, with Rogue and has like girl power moments with Psylocke. Like it was a lot of fun to, to make that comic for, for Marvel. So those are the two things that you should read um, that I made. They're very fun. I've done a lot of other work too, but I can't think of them at the moment because I'm bad at promoting myself and came completely unprepared for this. But I will talk about Nora Ephron for apparently two hours uninterrupted. <laughs>
1: As everyone should be able to. (laughs) Well, we'll wrap it up so that all the lovers out there can keep on loving. Um, But thank you for listening to Your Trash Pals. Uh, You can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. uh, Our live Twitch streams are hosted on Mondays and episodes typically go up on Thursdays. Uh, but we are just two small beans trying to get by. So if the schedule gets okay. a little wonky. We apologize. But we try to be consistently inconsistent.
0: We do. That is true. We do. We do. Uh, well, you can follow me at Ren.psd and Band Notes on Instagram at bandnotesbooks. Notes
1: Books. Uh, and you know what? I'll throw this plug in. Uh, I have a new issue of seasonal produce out right now, which is my little online magazine with uh, just bits and bobs. I just throw in. Uh, And if you use the promo code XO Valentine at checkout, you will get a free copy. So you can just go onto my little website at vannotesbooks.com. Let me double check that. That's the right code. That was a little off the dome here. um just tell everyone go (laughs) to my website give them a bad link and then just be like yeah it should work um but i will say if you would like to uh you can instagram message uh your trash pals and say hey i have a question for the podcast you can even just ask us whether we think something is trash or treasure and we will give our value judgment on it uh, live on the podcast. And I will confirm that that uh, promo code is, in fact, XOXO Valentine. Uh, and you can use it on my website. Should have thought of that Yay. beforehand. It's the kind of thing that goes <laughs> into a script. Um, Ren, do you want to do the fake ad this week? Sure. You, um, Trung, pick a number. Um, uh, 14. Oh, sorry, in between one and 10. I shouldn't give it back. Uh,
0: fine,
2: I thought I was gonna be thematic because of Valentine's Day is coming up, but fine. Oh, yeah, I guess I'll pick a number. Uh, let's do four. Let's do
1: four. Um, oh my gosh, are you in the year? I'm, uh, I'm
0: in it. This is amazing. You. I can't believe it. Today's episode is uh brought to you by. Bad Girls Club, the Wii TV, absolute banger classic, prestige, and we used to make them go to therapy, but not anymore. Um, so yeah, this episode of Your Trash Files is brought to you by Bad Girls Club, where you can find the baddest girls in the clubbiest of clubs. And
1: as always, reduce, reduce reuse, reuse. And recycle,
0: recycle yeah. yay!
2: yay.